We are Power Crystals. Conversations with Jason Perez and Leah Garza. Getting cute. Critical and and metaphysical. Hi, welcome back to We Are Power Crystals. My name is Jason. I'm here with Leah Garza. Hello. And this week we want to talk about prosperity and self-worth. Ooh. A topic we're very interested in. A lot of people. Elusive. Elusive. In many people's lives. Um, I think when we think of prosperity, we're thinking of manifestation, how to get it. But we want to dig a little deeper Mm -hmm. than acquiring. Yeah. We're going to talk about feeling worthy, um, our own self-worth struggles, yeah. and of course, uh, metaphysical things to work with self-worth. Yeah. But first, let's do a Power Crystal moment of the week. Power Crystal moment. Okay. What a dramatic one. It is a dramatic one. This is a shared one. It happened to both of us. Or it with did. both of us. Yeah. I don't know. It we were in this both involved in this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want me to describe yeah. it? Okay. All right. <laughs> it was very exciting. Um so a couple weeks ago, Jason and I had a booth at the Santa Ana downtown Santa Ana Witch Walk, which is a beautiful, amazing new um monthly like kind of like a street fair like an art walk but it's just witches metaphysical and spiritual practitioners um people selling all of their you know witchly goods and apothecary (laughs) witchly i guess it'd just be witchy but (laughs) witchly is funnier um you know all of our magic potions we all come together we there's like music and um, an opening invocation, mm-hmm. which was done by the wonderful Angela Mary Magic, which you sh- who you should follow on Instagram. Um, it's put together by Hype Priestess, who you Lacey, who you also should follow on Instagram, and just it was a beautiful gathering, and so we had a wonderful day. We met so many amazing people that you know we just feel really connected to. So many amazing, yeah. Can you tell me yeah. about that little kid? Yes. <laughs> I hope they're... I think their mom listens. Oh, uh, there was this little baby queer. I think they were about seven or eight. Yeah. And their parent brought them to our table. And they were having the hardest time deciding what they wanted to buy. Mm. They were, like, loving the queer ancestor oil or queer love oil. They got a little queer power candle from me. Mm-hmm. Um... So then they... They also bought my Tender Heart Spray. They bought a Tender Heart Spray and one of my queer candles. So then I was like, I should just give them all the queer oils. So I hunted them down and I was like, just please take this queer ancestor oil. But then they kept coming back throughout the night and just be like, walk up and say, Say hi. hi. (laughs) Or like, I'm leaving, bye. Yeah. And then um, we ran into them at the end of the night they we ended up giving them more things yeah 
Yeah, they had lost their mojo bag. I know, it was full of cool things. It, that that family really made me reflect on how beautiful of an experience, I don't even want to say experience, but like how beautiful that is to raise your child in responsive in a responsive way to their gender preference or gen- their gender representation rather than impose which is what all of a you know our society is trained to do impose I don't know I just think about how differently what if our parents had never forced us into a gender yeah it feels like a practice of listening and then also allowing yeah and of not being in fear of what if my child is or is not this thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's so And then amazing. also to like help them celebrate themselves. Yes. Yes. It's so beautiful. So if you're listening, we just want to say thank you for coming to meet us. We love you. You're both wonderful <laughs> people. I know. Uh, I was so moved. I know. All right. So we pack up for the night. We leave. It's like one o'clock in the morning, twelve thirty at night, and we are like, let's get something to eat. We, of course, celebrate our beautiful day at Norm's. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted breakfast uh, in we the early morning hours. We don't need to explain <laughs> to anyone why we went to Norm's. Norm's is great. I just want them to be jealous. I had the freaking worst thing on the menu. I had the split pea soup, Ew. and it was so good. Anyway, we leave Norm's, and I had only taken inside with me my wallet, my keys, my jacket, and I left with some leftovers, my wallet, my keys, and my jacket. And we get to the car. I put everything on top of the car to look for my keys. We get in the car, get on the freeway, and we're driving, and it's like 1.30 in the morning at this point. It's the middle of the night. There are no cars hardly at all on the freeway, and we hear something kind of like, bump the car and i think like oh my god what just flew at the car yeah i'm thinking like it's just a rock flying. yeah something like that and then i think like no it's probably something inside the car because there was so much gear and equipment in the car maybe something is settling and then i realize no something fell off of the car <laughs> and immediately i know that it is my wallet <laughs> i left my wallet on top of the car we've get on the freeway we're in the slow lane or in the in the right lane driving from the 405 to the 110 and this thing happens it falls off the car we are i don't even know how to process this because it was just everything that i all the money i had in my life at that moment was the money that i earned that day and it was in that wallet not to mention a letter from my dad who's passed away these like this little pouch of dirt from this, like, curandero from Oaxaca that was really meaningful. for <laughs> Just, like, this this receipt for these shoes I got for a penny that was a mistake. It was just, like, a manifestation moment. I have the, and I have the receipts, so to speak. I actually do have the receipts. But it was just, like, all this stuff that was, like, meaningful to me is inside my wallet. And the wallet flies off onto the freeway. So we pull over. We search the car just to make sure, mm-hmm. and it's definitely not there. And Jason God. is like, let's just retrace our steps. Let's just see. We were in the slow lane. There's hardly any cars. Let's just see if we can maybe see it. 
If you want to jump in anytime, you can. <laughs> so we get back on the freeway, and we're driving slow, high beams on, like emergency lights on, and literally everything looks like a wallet. Yeah, a <laughs> so black these, like, wallet. Square black blotches on yeah. the highway, and we don't see it. So I'm like, okay, well, let's just do this 20 more times. Because, I don't know, I just feel like, hmm, we're going to find it or we're going to die. Like, those are the options this evening. And I only wanted to go maybe one more time, and then yeah. I was going to give up. Like, this is silly. No. <laughs> I already made the decision I'm not going to die for this wallet. And I've heard so many news stories, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. oh, this the car broke down, and people I thought they could cross lanes. I did not realize how dangerous the ferry actually was until that evening. Yeah. Because I was like, we were going like maybe 15 miles an hour. Everyone yeah. else is going 60. And when you're driving on the freeway, it doesn't look that crazy. But yeah. to be slow in that contrast was, yeah. oh my God. you yeah. would, There's no way you can get out the way yeah. if you're just no, no, walking. No, no, you can't, you know. There's no way. And we were, just so people know, we were in the slow lane with our hazards on and brights on. So we were going, we were going, the first time we went through, we were going faster than that. We were going like, Maybe 20 miles an hour. Yeah. No, maybe even more, like 40 miles an hour. Oh, wow. We were going way faster than that. Yeah. But nothing. So, nothing. We didn't see it. We're trying not to freak out. Um, we get back on. <laughs> and Jason convinces me to go one more time. And I'm like, okay, I'll go one more time. But after that, it's gone. It's totally gone. Yeah. So we get back on the freeway. Ooh. And this time... I pull over into the shoulder and I'm because because we were in the the right lane the first time, and it flew off from the driver's side of my car. I thought, okay, it'll probably either be in the right, the first or second lanes. Maybe we'll be able to see it. And so I pull over to the shoulder, and now I'm going very slow, like maybe five miles an hour. Yeah, with just the, crawling along. Yeah, with hazards on, brights on, and there she is. <sighs> <sighs> On the stripe, the painted stripe between the shoulder and the right lane, there's my wallet. And there are no, there's like a few cars coming and it's very scary to open the door. So we drive up right next to it. We open the door and just like scoop it in the car. With a wooden With a dowel. dowel. Yeah, like I pull it toward <laughs> me with a dowel. So I, I did have to like kind of get out of the car, I think. But it was just like, we got it. We got it. It was intact. And the thing was unzipped, too, but nothing had flown out mm -hmm. of it. And there was an embarrassing amount of garbage in that wallet. And everything was in there. Yeah. And we just cried. And it was just like, it was just an incredible moment to and get something back. Yeah. It felt like a rescue mission. And it felt like this was a miracle. It really felt like my wallet chose to come back it chose to jump off and it chose to come back mm -hmm. because why would it wait until we got onto the freeway to fall off why would it move from the how did it get from the in between the first and second lane all the way over mm -hmm. to the shoulder like just and it, to be very visible on a white stripe yes and it, it felt like we were dealing with the agency of this other thing and like shifting through, like, potential timelines. Yes. Like, literally, we're going to find yeah. it, we're going to die. Yeah. And one of the things that, like, I realized was, like, 
the ocean and the freeway <laughs> are very similar to me. And I'd I have, say a river. You would say a river? Well, I, yeah, it could be a river, whatever. But I always think of the ocean because it's gigantic. Yeah. But, like, I, when I was a kid, I would have this my, – my dad would take us for walks on the beach or we'd drive – and walk down around like the um the marina where there's like piers and ships and stuff in San Diego and I would always have this obsession with like anything that falls into the ocean is gone it's lost forever and it's not lost like you can't like it still exists it's not like it's been obliterated into dust it's like it's intact mm-hmm. but it's just in a place that you will never be able to get it <laughs> you don't have the resources to send a dive team to go get your strawberry shortcake doll that you dropped over the side of a pier. <laughs> like, it's it's there, but it is not yours. You will never, yeah. You might even be able to see it, but you can never get it. And that's what the freeway mm. is like to me when you see all those, like, furniture that's fallen off of a truck or, like, a random yeah. shoe or, like, none of those things feel like... I mean, I'm sure some get there on purpose, but I bet many just get there either on accident or by virtue of the agency of those things wow right Mm -hmm. and when i say agency of those things i'm talking about the consciousness that exists in all things whether we deem them alive or not alive yeah yeah it was just an incredible feeling to get something back yeah. And also to recognize the very narrow margin that I live in where like an error can be. I mean, I literally made enough money that day to have my internet turned back on. <laughs> Full disclosure. I felt bad. Venmo me, Leah, at Leah-Garza. I was like, she really just lost all of her coins. Yeah. And we spent a fair amount of money to even yeah, to bend get that day. To bend, yeah. And we just ate this big breakfast, dinner. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, what a what a tragedy. Yeah. And also just like so many things that I were meaningful to me that I've been carrying along with me in my wallet. Priceless. For so long. Yeah. Well, but also like I was ready in that second go around to just be like, it's gone let it go. It's gone. You don't need it. And I, I think that's like a form of detachment that I have become a, I've learned that. Yeah. In my spiritual growth, I've learned mm. that. So let's talk about prosperity and worth and how we can get more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that moment was just like, I actually wrote about it in my dreaming class in school. We had a class called Community Dreaming, and I wrote about that moment because it felt like we were in a dream. It felt like we were in... Yeah, like, yeah, when we got off the freeway, it felt like this feels... It's the feeling of when life gets surreal. Yeah. Like, you definitely feel it when someone dies. Like, you're at a funeral, and you're like, yeah. whoa, I'm in, like, a weird what is limo this? Yeah. space. It yeah. was definitely that, like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like living in pudding. Yeah. Just, there's no shapes. You could bump into anything. There could be nothing here. What kind of pudding? I'm thinking like a tapioca. Because there's like little things in there. I think of just like a smooth, dark cocoa, like chocolate Mm, pudding. mm -hmm. 
Well, wow. one of the things you said to me that evening that really stuck out that made me feel like we were in a dream was like, how did you know to slow down? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Because we were driving and there was a couple weird things that happened. So before I get on the freeway, I was like, oh, whenever I lose something, I always ask St. Anthony to help me. So we did that. And then you're like, just kind of spontaneous or inspired to shift over to the shoulder. Yeah. And I was like, if that didn't happen, we have, would not have found it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so I, I'm always thinking about how, like, we always meet crisis because crisis feels like time has sped up. Like when we're in a moment of crisis or survival or like, you know, just a crisis, it feels very fast. And so we always have a tendency to like meet that fastness with fastness. Yeah. And like, oh my God, we have to get it done. We have to do this. We have to do that. And I was recently in class with this guest professor named Bayo Akomalafe, who I will link to his website. And he was talking to us about... In his culture, they have a phrase that is, times are ur- urgent, we must slow down. Mm. And that really, like, stood out yeah. for me. And I think that it kind of, like, seeped into my consciousness. It just made a lot of sense that, like, when things are urgent, the best... Like, when you slow down, you open up so many more options than when you try to go fast. Mm. You have so many more potentials in front of you. You have more choice in how to, like, respond. But when you go fast, you might miss all those things because you're just going in one direction. And it it just, like, I don't know. It was just such a remarkable moment, that whole wallet fiasco. It was amazing. Yeah, I felt like my life was different after that. I did, too. In a way that I still don't understand yeah i do too (laughs) i stopped i felt like this feeling of like don't have like don't be afraid to do the thing you want to do just do it like do it also like there's value in having some sort of hope yes like i don't know there there's just so much yeah yeah still processing i know it's not funny it was weeks ago now (laughs) yeah It still feels fresh. It does. It was such a remarkable experience to get it back. And I even said, I was like, man, I really need a break right now. I really hope, I wish I could just get this thing back. I could, I feel like I don't get any, I'm not gotten any breaks. Like I'm just, I, I just feel like I struggle a lot. Yeah. And so it was just really affirming. I don't know. It was just cool to, to, I don't know. It's weird. It's like you have to shift into the version of yourself that does get breaks. Yes. Which is magical things do happen to. That is a really good segue into talking about prosperity. Yeah. I appreciate that. Prosperity. What is it? Who has it? Who wants it? Yeah. What (laughs) even is it? I don't know. I feel like when we talk about prosperity, we're just talking about money. Yeah. And like, how do you get it? And then... But why do you even want it? Because you want to feel... I want to feel safe, secure. Free. Free, unburdened. Yeah. Um, It feels fun to have money. It feels 
tight to not have it. Mm-hmm. It's constricting. You can't mm-hmm. breathe. Yeah. It's anxious. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting that we focus on money. And I feel like for a very long time, and I think this is part of like, um, maybe like mm, white culture or like Judeo Christian waspy, you know, uh, culture to it's that it's crude to talk about money. So I grew up like, you don't ask what people make. You don't, you never disclose what you make. It's impolite. It's impolite. But like, I feel like that's indicative of like, it's very white to me. Mm. it like you like it's you it's impolite to talk about money so when you really need or want money you kind of feel impolite saying that that's what i want oh. like oh you want like there's a judgment that like you don't want something better or oh, is money yeah, for like, your highest good or you know there's no altruism right exactly selfish yeah it's selfish Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's really tough money is also funny too because money is inherently valueless it has you no... can what if you have the right tools you could literally print it yeah totally it's i mean even it like from nowhere our money that is allegedly based on a gold reserve gold also is inherently valueless it's like there's at the very core it's like the judith butler gender like thing it's like a copy of a copy of a copy of a core there's nothing at the core there's nothing Mm -hmm. um yeah and but but it's like in in the u.s in the western world under capitalism it it doesn't just dictate the quality of life you have, it dictates the quality of your emotional life. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing, but it's everything. It has a lot of power, yeah. Yeah, it has a tremendous amount of power. What if we took that power back, though? What do you mean? Like, what if... <clears throat> so, people want to know all the time... I think in the shop and everywhere, like, how do you manifest? Yeah. How do you manifest this? How do you manifest that? And that's really saying, how do I get what I want? Exactly. Because the default state of the universe is manifesting. It's this vibrational law of attraction, this idea that light, things on a like frequency will match each other. And then that's what comes into your life. Yeah. And so I think what people are asking is how do you consciously manifest something? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I harness this ability to get the things I want instead of the things that I don't want? Because. Right. So just a little quick caveat, though, about the law of attraction. The law of attraction is not you get what you deserve or what you consciously Right, you get what you're a match to. You get what you're a match to. And when you are a match to something, it may only exist in the energetic plane. You may be an energetic match to something that your conscious mind does not want at all. Yeah. So it is misguided, I think, for people to, you know, who have reinterpreted this law as, like, somehow it's funneled through your conscious mind. Oh, well, you get what you deserve. Or, like, 
you know, when, when Trump. It's like, well, you're the one thinking those thoughts and yeah. feeling those feelings, yeah. so you did it. Yeah. You manifested that. Like, you chose that. Like, no, 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 no. That's, that is totally misguided. But when we understand the law of attraction, we can entrain it to bring about the things that we consciously do want. Right. And there are many, many, many caveats. There's a lot of, a lot of literature and like social media posts about that type of manifesting. Yeah. So be discerning. (laughs) Be discerning is so good. And also understand that the law of attraction uh, does not will away oppression, oppressive structures, racism. Right. The prison industrial complex cannot be manifested away. It is you know, like there, there, there needs to be a more in-depth understanding of this law because it, it doesn't exist in a separate world from things like racism and prison industrial complex. It, they exist in the same world, but... I don't think you can cover the profoundness of it in one meme. No. So be be careful. Be careful. Be discerning is a nicer way to say it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, be careful sounds scary. Yeah. I mean, and also, like, you have to... It's so broad. Like, there's still room for you to adapt it to your own self. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So everyone has a totally different relationship with these, like, universal laws. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard to give like blanket statements on. Yeah. Here's what everyone can do. Yeah. Because uh, everyone's in a different place. Yeah. Um, so I know like the main people, Abraham Hicks, the popular, what are they? They're popular for law of attraction. Yeah. But when people ask them like things about like social justice or violence, like it, the conversation gets kind of weird and sticky. Yeah. Especially because a lot of those. They're very white. Those people are white people that have not experienced the brunt of yeah a racist society. Yeah. 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 There, it doesn't mean that that stuff doesn't work for people of color, black indigenous people of color too, though. Mm-hmm. So let's shift the gears <laughs> a little bit because I feel like we could go off on this topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we want to talk about what it feels to, what prosperity and self-worth is. This topic was one of the original power crystals classes and we wanted to talk about kind of the power that comes with having a sense of self-worth and also talk about some of the the obstacles in having that or even yeah. like what that is yeah or that the block to prosperity there you go is a belief around self-worth mm-hmm. yeah and when we talk about prosperity we're not just talking about money no not not no not necessarily yeah so when we're talking about the goddess lakshmi before and people she's kind of in pop culture known for like money and like wealth and abundance but it's a very flat uh not flat kind of like just a 2d like perspective on her Mm mm-hmm um, other people who are like more in uh, connected to that religion, they talk about her in terms of like peace and happiness and joy. We're studying education knowledge. Yeah, That's another facet of Lakshmi that I've always heard. 
Um, so, like, what does it mean for for the Western world to collapse this goddess with just money or yeah. or wealth or like yeah. possessing things? Yeah, yeah, and I feel like that happens a lot with a lot of metaphysical tools where people are like, what crystal do I get for money? What candle do I burn for money? I will tell you what candle later, but, <laughs> but like, but you know, like people come in and they think that there's like one trick. Exactly. If it was, it can be that easy, but it takes yeah. the work to make it that yeah, easy. Yeah. One simple trick for a flat belly, the fat, flat belly rule. <laughs> flat tummy tea. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what well, what does prosperity mean to you? I want, like, how do you define it? I don't really align actually with the top with like the concept of prosperity. Yeah, I agree. I do align more with the concept of abundance, though. Mm-hmm. Like that seems prosperity. Seems I think like prosperous is it is old fashioned because it's like tied to success. Yeah, like a prosperous yeah. marriage, prosperous business, and prosperous I guess means fruitful. Yeah. Yeah, like something has to, you have to yield something from it. A prosperous marriage yields children. Yes. Ooh. Is that what you want, prosperity? Yeah, exactly. Like, like there's some third outcome. There's me and it, and then together there's a prosperous outcome, which is a third thing. Right. Which I don't really... Knowing what I know now, that isn't, I don't feel like I can just get to that third thing without the intermediary step of addressing my state of being. Does Uh that make sense? Like, I don't feel like I can be prosperous without, if I'm talking about money, I can't be wealthy without feeling wealth. Like, I can't be wealthy without feeling a richness. Mm-hmm. Or feeling... And then I have to define, well, what does that mean? Right. So, like, what that means for me is feeling like I have total freedom to do whatever I want, whenever I want, because money isn't limiting me. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it feels like feeling very relaxed and being unbound by time yeah which is wild because where does money factor into that i don't know but it does it's a whole fantasy yeah this fantasy can i share with you yeah (laughs) it's a very simple one i'm stepping out of a very warm clean shower it's like one of those big showers and there's just water everywhere Uh i get out i put on a giant soft towel i go into a mirror um, I splash cold water on my face to close my pores. Serums and lotions all over my body. <laughs> I put on a robe. <clears throat> I walk into a bedroom. I open some French doors. And it's a warm summer night. And <laughs> there's a rush of nighttime jasmine flooding me. And I'm like, oh, I have shit to do. And that's it. So, a hotel. No, it's not a hotel. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but just like the ability to be, like you talked about being slow. Yeah. And there's no end goal. I have nothing to do. I have yeah. nowhere to be. I'm not mad about any of it. Yeah. 
and that feeling of I don't want to be anywhere else but here. And right you now. describe so many like sensory experiences that yeah. so like when I'm talking about like feeling rich, that's like what I'm talking about. Like you described like like I could I know exactly what that soft big plush towel feels like. Yeah. You know, like what all of those and delicious it's... smelling serums mm-hmm. feel like and smell like. Yeah. And so it's uh-huh. like Maybe I will never have that, but I can have the essence of that. Yeah. You can feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so that always leads me to think about like our minds and it's through no fault of our own make us believe that if we acquire a certain thing, then we will have those feelings. Mm. But truly the law of attraction or like you know state of being laws tells us that if we feel that way then we attract in yeah the things that support that mm-hmm. so like money comes to the feeling of wealth yeah it feels like you have to i don't know flirt with the universe in that way yeah because if you are and this is something that I struggle with a lot is like, well, I know that the intergenerational wealth disparity is a real thing in our country. So mm-hmm. you're telling me I need to just fake that or like, how do I feel that if I really can't get yeah. to it? Yeah. And it's like, yes, even through that difficult social structure that I live in, I I have to find that's like the challenge that I have is I have to find the way Mm. to feel it despite how difficult it is to acquire wealth. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to talk about these things because in a sense, I'm asking myself and others to defy reality mm. do you know what I'm saying yeah yes <laughs> to define they have to find their wallet on the freeway yeah mm. like it's really easy to believe the wall is just gone that's the, my luck no that's way. what life is I and lose nothing you can do yeah yeah and, and yeah it could have been the reality that we were so hopeful to find it and not freaked out like what does this go around yeah. And we could have not found it. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a difficult thing. But it, but it, the more that I study social structures and colonialism and all this stuff, and at the same time walk this line of being a total believer of energy, the more I do believe that we can def- we we can absolutely defy society. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Tied that one up in a nice little package. <laughs> Done. <No. laughs> well, that's like, okay. It's also, I feel like you're, we're extensions of all the things in the universe, all the powers. Yeah. So it's, um, not just a simple matter, but like filtering through all those things that like disconnect you from that creative power. 
into accessing those realities. And there's a whole lot of locked doors mm-hmm. between us and that power. But you never really, like, completely chopped off from it. No. But it's a lot of work to see that and to, like, imagine yourself as that power. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, the more you detach from this world, the f- the physical world being the only reality, mm-hmm. the more you invoke your ability to go into altered states of consciousness or yeah. the, the easier you can see yourself without the limits of the physical reality. Yeah. Something I just thought kind of upset me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if we're okay, if we're having this like Akashic standpoint your your work, your imagination work, and your belief work, it is entirely possible that it does not manifest in this lifetime. Yeah. And you go through, like, one more cycle, maybe Multiple the next cycle. lifetimes, yeah. Ugh. But that's why prosperity does not lie in the money. It lies in the feeling. The feeling. It's like, you master that thing when you can feel something. Yeah. I have this conversation with clients a lot, like... I want to do this thing. Like, I want to be an actor. Okay, well, what would being an actor bring you? Well, I, that's, I want, that would make me happy. Like, okay, well, what if you could be happy, but it didn't come through being an actor? Would you still want and desire? Right. Because what if it's not going to come from being an actor, but the end goal is to be happy and you achieve that? And and I feel like that's a lot, we put a lot of stake on, in money to make us to bring about the life that we think yeah, we want. So, yeah. I want to talk about like happiness as a, a measure of prosperity. Mm. When I was an undergrad, I took environmental justice technology class mm-hmm. just for a GE. And there was like a discussion on like, if we go to say you're doing a project in, like some other country Mm -hmm. and how do you like measure the success of your project Mm -hmm. (laughs) and someone said uh well we should measure it on how happy they are um because like we have everything here in the states but we're unhappy Mm -hmm. and them they barely have clean water but they're happy so we shouldn't intervene and i was like uh, I don't know. I didn't know what the problem was, but I was like, this feels off. Mm-hmm. So looking back, I feel like it's the me- measuring things in terms of happiness can also be like a way for like not being accountable for your actions or like on a bigger scale. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't even think happiness exists. Wow, get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I just think happiness happiness doesn't um, exist outside of colonialism. Mm. It's a response to unhappiness. It's like, I want to reach this thing to get away from my state of being now. But my state mm. of being now is so challenging because the structures of capitalism and colonialism take oh, everything so happiness away from is me. a commodity. It'd be totally commodified. Yeah. If we look at, like... In- or it's... N- it's a tool of commodification. 
Yes. It's a belief that is a tool. For sure. And it absolutely cannot be measured in the same way across cultures at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you, did you, in that class, did you guys study Buen Vivir? No. Buen Vivir. It was a terrible class. No. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, Buen Vivir are these like policy platforms in the global south. So I think they've happened in Bolivia, Ecuador. um, I don't know where else. But um, they're basically like, in these extractionist economy, these countries that are being extracted, their resources are being extracted by, you know, the northern economies, and indigenous people are suffering, and the land is suffering, the country, and along with indigenous people, like the government and indigenous people have come together to create these, like, policy platforms to ensure Buen Vivir, which is, like, well-being, um, there's like a word for it in Quechua and I don't remember, but you can look it up and it's easy to find. And like part of it is like, you know, things that we might consider happiness, although I don't think many, any of them use the word happiness, but like in, in, in one country's Buen Vivir policy, it may be like the land has agency and it has mm. the rights of a human being mm-hmm. or, you know, like, indigenous people all people have access to um you know clean water for free or you know whatever so they're they're like things that we know bring about a good life that are become you know have been taken away by colonialism and they're being in like intentionally reinstated through when we platforms yeah they're becoming like recognized subjects of the law Yes, but part of that is, like, the right to dignity, the right Mm. to, you know, things that, like, we don't, coming from the North, we don't understand that we're taking that away when we mine crystals or when we, you know, extract. I feel like it's not a under, I don't know, it just feels more of a disregard. Totally. Like, the understanding is there. It's just a lot of care for it. I know. I read something in one of these articles I read about, um, one of these articles I read in my psychoanalysis class was about, and I don't know why they mentioned this, but a very good torturer, someone who tortures people, is deeply empathetic because that's the only way they can know whether or not they're doing a good job. I was like, oof. That's. That's crazy, right? It's twisted. That's wild. But it's yeah. got to be true. Like, how else would you measure whether or not you're inflicting pain if you can't identify what pain is oh, on another person? Wow. That reminds me of all of the Gotham City villains. Yeah. There are people who are suffering to some degree. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's back up. So let's talk about self-worth. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so if we look at a lot of the people that come in, and I'm going to put myself in this category, the times when I feel the least prosperous, the least abundant, the times when I feel the poorest are definitely times when I am struggling with feeling deserving mm. of whatever thing. It could be money, but it also could be like comfort or yeah agency or being seen. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm dealing with self-worth issues. Yeah. Can you talk on that? Yeah. I feel 
What did you say? I feel the most poor when I'm tired. Because I feel like I'm deep into working like three, four jobs and it's not enough. Or like when my tire keeps going flat or like driving around and I'm sweating my ass off because my AC is broken. So those like physical conditions make me feel stuck, trapped. She get an ice pack for the, for the car. <laughs> oh my god. Leah's <laughs> recording with a pack of ice on her head. Because we have to turn the fan off because it's, it's too a loud. medical pack, so. It's a medical ice pack, so it's flexible. Wow. Bougie. Prosperous. <laughs> <laughs> Winning. <laughs> uh, but not because you're sweating. <laughs> but I'm making a joke about it, so my state of being is funny and happy. Great, so we don't have to worry about you. <laughs> um, that was solved. I know. Yeah, I also feel worthless when. I don't know. Can I talk about a memory yeah i remember like when i first started wearing deodorant and my mom bought me one and i used it and then i was so embarrassed to ask for another one because i felt like i'm being a financial burden on the family because my body's doing things that cost extra than everyone else so i think in that moment was having a a worthiness struggle like am i worthy of hygiene and comfort yeah um and this like simple inexpensive product yeah um but in that in that time i did not feel that i felt so guilty for needing an additional thing yeah that's really interesting too because the fact that you would that anyone attaches hygiene to worthiness is like inherently a, a byproduct of capitalism yeah and a byproduct of like patriarchal white supremacy like society like there's definitely a narrative there of like if you stink you're abnormal or you don't fit into this dominant narrative if you um if your hygiene isn't on point then maybe it's an indication that you're poor or you're which is another way to show that you're abnormal and that you're making bad decisions you could be making bad decisions i think of like working in skid row like, hygiene is a hard to come by. Yeah. Like, hygiene products or, like, showers. Yeah. It's just not... They're not there yeah. for everyone. Um, but there's kind of this... I don't know. The energy of, like, well, y'all made the decisions to get here. Yeah. You don't want to work. Or, like, yeah. no one told you to migrate here. Or yeah. it's not my fault you did all these drugs. Yeah. 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 And it's... Just, and that has nothing to do with the worth of a person yeah at all i think about that too with like like as you call them poverty diseases oh yeah or poverty. like mm-hmm. yeah like <laughs> like being fat too i had this concept the other day that i was like i'm not actually fat fat is a total like concept i'm just a body yeah i have no inherent yeah, fat is a like perspective of a body. It's a perspective a of a body. A reading of it. Exactly. A measure of it. Exactly, exactly. Mm. And that measure has plus or negative. Oh, that's why I like the the Shuglet photos, the water ones. It's like, is that body still fat? Because right now it's weightless. Yeah. I know. I know. Or like um, diabetes. Like mm-hmm. there's a massive connection to blame if, if you... If, if you have diabetes, it's somehow your fault. Yeah. 
And I just don't know anyone that... Um, you also see that with, like, lung cancer. Yeah. It's Anything like, that's attached to, in mod- in popular science, like, a behavior, whether mm-hmm. or not that behavior actually caused... Even, even if it did cause it, the fact that we, like, attach value then to that person... Yeah, was, like, that really reminds me of, like, working in, working in the HIV yes. industry. Yes, Because it's all behavior. Like, yeah. if you just use condoms or stop having anonymous sex, like, you, this wouldn't happen. But it doesn't speak to, like, the the bigger conditions that created the condition Absolutely. for a disease, any disease to thrive. Absolutely. Yeah. What is the... I don't know. Who, it, but it feels like there's, like, profit connected to, like, illness. For sure. Oh, we know that. Absolutely. Like, And then, like, yeah. illness is used as, like, a weapon to yield power. Yes. Totally. Or creates a vulnerable population. Yes. Yeah. They can be exploited they easily. They can be exploited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, any time, and this is something from the Akashic Records, any time, any time that we are dealing with anything around self-worth, it is a learned or inherited belief. It's not natural to our being. Yeah. Because we're inherently priceless beings. We're inherently valuable, worth worthy beings. So anything that ever tells us, and, and they, those beliefs creep up in so many little ways. Like, don't speak up. No one wants to hear that. Don't, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Don't let yourself be seen. No one's going to care. Like, all of those are attached to, like, self-worth. Hygiene? Okay. Don't be smellable. Yeah, don't be smellable. Don't take up olfactory space. Exactly. Make yourself invisible. Through your smell, yeah. Make yourself pleasurable. Yeah. Because also, like, Ugh. through s- smelling, if you smell bad, this is so wild because I'm so obsessed with, like, talking about normalcy smelling bad is an indicate like even the word bad should be in quotes is an indication of some other thing happening with you it's like and and i feel like this is something i was overtly taught in my teacher prep training and my teacher preparations education that um that like you need to check like if you notice that a student has worn the same clothes several days in a row or if you notice that a student might smell bad, like they haven't been showering, these might be indications of like something going on at home. So they're literally telling you like there's something wrong or abnormal. And unfortunately, that usually is the case that there's some kind of neglect mm. happening. But the fact that they're teaching us to connect wrongness are all the things that are attached to like neglect or what could be going on. Because immediately then it's like becomes a judgment on the parents or like a choice or, you know, like it leads down that same path of it. It creates criminals. Exactly. It's criminalizing. Exactly. And it all starts with like smells or cleanliness or hygiene. Like it's so wild. It's so wild. Yeah. So let's get back to prosperity. Cause we went off on a dirt road <laughs> to the <laughs> left. Let's get back on the main highway. Um, when do you feel prosperous in your life today? Because I, I know you don't have one of those giant showers. I don't. I don't. I don't either. <laughs> um, when do I feel prosperous? 
man. Or like, how do you gauge prosperity in your life? Because I don't think that, even though I might well, struggle with money, let's talk about I'm not always there. Abundance. That feels easier. Yeah, abundance is easier. I don't think I'm prosperous. I'm not fruitful. Yeah, I know. I don't know how to <laughs> define pros- define prosperity in a better way. Me either. Um, when do you feel abundant? Um, I feel abundant when. Can tell you how I. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I define abundance the same way Bashar defines abundance. Okay. And it's to have exactly what you need when you need it. Can you tell me who Bashar is in one sentence? Yes, Bashar is also a channel. He's a being that's channeled by a man named Daryl Anka. um, And he's channeling this entity that is non-human named Bashar. You can... I don't think you can see him on YouTube anymore, really. I think oh, really? They took a lot of his videos oh, off. You could try Googling him on YouTube, but he has a website. He does events in California. Yeah. He's wild. I mean, I love Bashar, but... Yeah, what a... It's wild. Funny voice. Yeah. Not speaking voice, but, like, perspective. Yeah, he has a sassy perspective. So having what you need when you need it. Yeah, and if you think about it... That's exactly like, like there's only so much you need to meet your needs. And then after that, it becomes surplus Mm -hmm. and surplus just stays in the, you know, in the vault. Surplus isn't actually being used. So like, Mm -hmm. so if you picture, I think we talked about this before, like if you're super hungry and you're like, ah, we're going out to eat really hungry i want to have like a big drink and i want to have two appetizers and a salad and then a meal and then you get to like your maybe like your 10th bite of food and you're like wow i'm totally full and it's because Mm. your mind was processing your hunger not you weren't maybe listening to your body Um. you were listening to like i need all this stuff because that's how hungry i am but really your body might be like "Mm, actually i didn't actually need all that and i feel like that's the same with wealth like we might want a lot of wealth to do all the things we want to do, but then after we do all those things, anything after that. Okay. So wealth is not necessarily abundance. No, Got it. no. Cause like we hear all the time about people that have wealth, but like it just sits in a bank or they, when they die, they bequeath it all to in, yeah, yeah, yeah. their cat. Like they couldn't even use it. They couldn't even, yeah, it's, 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 it's not. And like, so then I like, I'm like, is that freedom then? Hmm. So then if that, cause I don't, I don't feel like that's freedom to just have a big Scrooge McDuck pile of coins. <laughs> I mean, if it was for him. He liked to go swimming. No, in it, because but... then your attention is always towards keeping that stack secure and safe. Yeah. And keeping predators out and like, which is scarcity, which is oh, lack, mm-hmm. which is running. So there's no real trust in that. There's no flow. There's no like, yeah. There's no flirting with the universe there. Yeah, not at all. You're trying to, like, build a dam to control a river. Of, yeah, you're you're not working with the flow. And there's no joy in sharing that. Yeah. Okay, there's I guess no creation then I feel there. abundant when I'm sharing in something. But is it always sharing, or does the sharing have to... Because sometimes you share stuff, not you, but anyone, you might share something and you're like. Well, I'm not talking about 
things only. Okay. To get a little odd. <laughs> like last week, I've spent three days at the beach all day, mm-hmm. like 1 to 8 p.m. And that felt abundant because I was like, it's fine that I'm not working right now. Mm-hmm. I have snacks. This beach is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I was alone, but I was like, I don't know, I felt so. How is that sharing? Because I'm sharing a moment with the earth. Mm. Yeah. And myself and my like inner world and my, you know, spirit homies. It's like, we're all there. And like in that seemingly, in doing nothing, like my other parts of my life weren't crumbling apart. Yeah. You know, and like having that abundance of time. Yeah. And like trusting that, oh my God, I'm not like working on my IG or my website. Like, oh my God, it's like falling apart. Mm -hmm. It's wasting away. Like everything, I felt safe that the rest of my life was not deteriorating in those three days. Yeah. So that's about it. That feels so good. Right? Yeah. Or like, I don't need to like chase my relationships with family or friends right now. Yeah. They're all safe. Everything's secure. Everything's good. Yeah. Yeah. And then everything's better because I'm here instead of there. Yeah. And when you put yourself in places like in, in natural settings where money doesn't factor in at all, Mm -hmm. then you can like feel what that might feel like, what abundance feels like outside of money. Yeah. Because, like, no amount of money that you pay is going to make you, like, it's not like you pay more and you get closer to the water. It's like, (laughs) there's no, like, quality control with going to the beach that money can handle. I mean, like, we could, like, be like, well, if you have money, you can travel to some, like, tropical island well you can live right at the beach you could live right at the beach but like the experience in that moment of being at the beach is not dependent on how much money you have right yeah that's interesting i would also like i know you say you're sharing but i would also say like it's also feels abundant because all your needs are met in that moment yeah like and that's personal that's not really sharing yeah yeah I feel, I feel abundant when I'm talking to people, like not talking to people because that can when be training. <laughs> no, not even like that. But like when you're talking in person, when there feels like there's no, I feel abundant when I don't feel like when I can turn things down and I don't feel like I've missed an opportunity. Like when people reach out to me for something and I know there's some things that I really want to do and and other things I really don't want to do, but I might do them because I believe it will bring about more like income or it'll help my career or something. And then that feels absolutely not abundant. That feels awful Mm -hmm. because I don't, I don't want to be doing it, but I've abandoned myself and said yes to something I know should be a no. But when I am able to say no and still feel like I have not lost anything, that feels abundant to me. Mm -hmm. But that's 100% a belief 
that I have to believe that I'm supported. I have to believe that I like that the universe really is taking care of me, mm-hmm. that I can say no and it's not going to be the last thing that ever comes to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a really big one for entrepreneurial. All the hustlers. The hustlers. Yeah. yeah. And which is like very much tied to that Scrooge McDuck belief that like, I can't spend my money. I have to hoard it because it might never come back again. You know, it's like the same. I feel like it's the same belief. Yeah. That opportunities are scarce. Money is scarce. I have to hold on to the ones I get, even if I don't want to do it. Yeah. And that's like a big point of judgment too. So it's like, well, this family can't send their kids to college because they bought all these video games and TVs or like, they bought a pool, but they're so poor. Mm. I feel like that's something that's said about like hood families a lot. Mm. Like, well, you're poor because you don't know how to invest. Which is a total. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> that's a total like white capitalist, mm-hmm. like perspective on what poor is and what. Yeah. Oh, and that investment somehow is the only way to be, have wealth or yeah. Anyone with a pool is wealthy to me. <laughs> that's they're the prosperous, ult- they're abundant. That's the ultimate abundance to have your own pool. Oh my god. Yeah. Someone's listening and they're like but laughing. It's em- they're sitting in an empty pool. No, that's the saddest. The skateboard. Well, that's not so bad, but I don't skate. I just want to swim. So invite <laughs> me to your pool, you guys. Still hot in LA. Invite Leah over. Uh, tell her she can bring two guests. My yeah. Name is me. Yeah. Um. So. I feel like I don't know what. I don't know what do people. How do you work with people that want? Because we do have those clients that come again and again and again, and they want to know how do I, how do I get money? How do I get a better job? How do I do this? How do how do I? Well, if I knew. Wouldn't be doing this reading. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well. Just kidding. I know. <laughs> I know you're kidding. Some sirens. So I know you're poor. Because of sirens. <laughs> That's how I know I'm wealthy. That if I have an emergency, okay. the, the ambulance will be here in just a minute. Wow, what a f- way to flip a belief. That's that's good. Um, I actually live right next to two convalescent homes, and they're constantly... Wow, just falling out all the time. Falling out? The people. Dying? Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard that phrase before. Falling out? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry? I'm like, no, they stay on the stretchers. <laughs> <laughs> they don't fall out, but they oh. definitely are on them. <laughs> but it's a non-stop oh. in the ambulance. Yeah. On to the next life. Or, like, the doctor's office, or, you know, I don't know. It's yeah. not always, they're not always dead. Right. Um, so, what do you tell people that continually ask for the same? To me, that's 100% belief work. I don't know, what do you do? Any, do you know? I just ask for more specifics. Like, yeah. Well, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah. Do you want to make money in? Yeah. Yeah. 
I always ask what, and this is, I ask this for myself too, what need do you think it will meet to have this thing right. you're asking for? Because ultimately, I, the more I do this work, the more I really believe that the only thing that really matters is our emotions. Yeah. How we feel about something is the only thing that really matters. We might be experiencing terrible, terrible circumstances, but if we don't feel they're terrible, then are they really terrible? Um, I don't know. I feel like that kind of sounds like what I was trying to say about like measuring happiness in yeah. impoverished states. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, but like, I think that's true for everything. Like if you don't, you can flip your perspective around something through the way you feel about it or vice versa. Perspective mm-hmm. and feelings are really tied to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> what am I trying to say? Is that because there's a higher chance that you will not find your wallet? So you just got to be able to learn to oh, soothe yourself. I would, I would say. When things don't work out how you want them to. I mean, for sure. The conscious mind has, like, an expectation. Mm-hmm. And the records are always, like, the distance between expectation and reality is disappointment. Oh. So, the more you expect something to be a certain way. Yeah. Which is one in however many infinite ways that it could be. The more disappointed, the bigger the gap between reality and if you can be in the flow and allow for multiple outcomes, the less disappointed you'll be. Mm. And that's why I was like detaching from finding my wallet. I could feel it happening, letting it go because it was less likely. And I would rather detach than feel the pain of disappointment. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah. If you want to book a reading with me, I don't. I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it it's true though. And so then, like this wallet doesn't really have. Like I can lose the wallet and I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna survive. I'm gonna be okay. Yeah. So if I can attach to that outcome, mm. that I'm gonna be okay, then that absolutely is. That is my. I am okay. I will be okay. Yeah. That's my screensaver. It's lately. It's true though. Yeah. But it's like, can we hear, can we like really hear that? Can we really take that in when we are so disappointed and so like living in our anxiety mind? Can we, can we hear that? And I think a lot of people cannot. I can't. It's really annoying to hear that sometimes. Yeah. Totally. So I'm not booking a reading. <laughs> <laughs> but then let's like, so we have these two questions in metaphysical anatomy. When we do metaphysical anatomy and we do metaphysical anatomy and people are like, this is, I don't get it. It's not working. I don't understand. This one question is like, what would you have to believe about yourself mm. in order to let this thing go and know that you'll be okay? Or what are you not ready to let go of that you need to let go of in order for this to work? That's, yeah, I relate to that. Yeah. 
I feel a lot of times like not done fighting this. Yeah. <laughs> Want to stab it some more. Yeah. Not done fighting it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like maybe I've made this identity around fighting uh-huh. this thing or being in opposition. But if I really were to let it go and say I'm still okay, then it's like all that there's left is for me to be in my power. Yeah. Then you're like a happy cult person. Yes. <laughs> if you want to join my cult. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Cults of Altamira. That's what the COA the is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it's true. It's funny. It is a culty belief. And that's like why so many, the structure of capitalism wants us to believe that we're inherently unworthy and worthless mm-hmm. so that we remain dependent on consuming in order to find happiness. Yeah. And buying your worth. And buying your worth. Exactly. It is rebellious to believe you're inherently worthy. Yeah. So do you want to talk about tips and tools? Yeah. Let's talk about some practices. So when we did our, the class prosperity and self-worth, we did a candle exercise. So we had to set an intention, light a candle, and then work with some prosperity herbs. So the most important part um, was the intention. So you want it to be specific, but also a little vague. Like leave some room. Leave some room. So mine, Mm -hmm. at the time, I was like, I really want to move out. Mm -hmm. And that did not feel, you know, this 50 cent candle is not going to help me with that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, what can I do? And I was like, okay, well, why do I want to move out? I would like to be, have more restful, deeper sleep. Mm-hmm. So I just wrote that. That's something I could have like today, tonight even. Mm-hmm. So I wrote that out, did the candle, put, um, I think we use cinnamon, mint, and basil, which are all really great prosperity herbs. And you can find those at the market, usually. Um, so, <laughs> I dressed the candle with that, lit it, wrote my intention, put it under the candle, and kind of just sat with what it would feel like to be restful. Like, what what does that feel like in my body? Mm-hmm. And then three months later, I'm living rent-free in someone's house, having the most... By yourself. By myself. It started raining, and I swear I slept for three days straight. Yeah. Like, I'll just wake up, eat some cereal, watch The Last Airbender for an hour, go back to sleep. It's like thunder, lightning, just for three days, over and over. That's perfect. Cereal cartoons, sleep, cereal cartoons, sleep, shower. That's amazing. And I was amazed. And then while I was there, I was setting up my altar, and I found the slip of paper from that ritual. And I was, I was gagged. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. It's like, wow, it, this shit worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Candles are really incredible. They are. Conduits for our intention and I think it has to do attention. with the like chemical reaction of the flame. 
Huh. So it's like, con- it's drawing from the atmosphere. It's a con- chemical conversion. So it's pulling in this oxygen and like, like generating this heat. Yeah. So it's pulling things in and releasing them. It's like them. an alchemical process. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It's literally like the process of emergence. Yeah. Or like third spaceness. Mm-hmm. That this other third thing comes out. Yeah. That's so cool. Now I'm going to love candles even more. They're amazing. So you're really working with fires that you're doing. That's funny because I... Should I talk about my candle thing or do you want to Yeah. Mine? Okay. So my tip also is a candle. That's my first tip and it's the Bayberry candle. And you can get it at a botanica. You can get it mostly angels. You can even make your own. You can dress Even your if own. you have the oil, Bayberry oil. Or yeah. Or you want to get extra, get some actual Bayberry you root. Get Bayberry, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can use it. I recommend a green candle because it's like the green is the color of money and the heart space is yeah. opening up to or the Or even flow. like a gold. Yeah, gold. I, like I don't gold. resonate with gold. Nope. To me, it's got to be green. Green is also like, like when people are like, what crystal do I need for abundance? My the recommendation is always like, you need rose quartz because oh. abundance is blocked in the heart. Mm. And so rose quartz helps melt away those walls. See, no one is saying that. I know. No one says that. Actually, somebody interviewed me. I was interviewed by Girl Boss, and they and I said that, and everyone else said pyrite and citrine. But, it, yeah, abundance is blocked in the heart, so get some rose quartz, melt away the heart, kill yeah. two birds with one stone. Maybe you let some the flow malachite, in. too. Yeah, malachite, too. But, like, that love, that, like, I am worthy, I am deserving, that, mm. those gates that open up in the heart... That, to me, really is okay. like... Okay, this is a... Okay, yeah. If you're doing pyrite or citrine, that's going to give you cash right now. Yeah. But that does not translate into the flow. Totally, yeah. It's not a sustainable thing. It's always like an emergency, a desperate response. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I... But I burned the Bayberry candle, and I was very skeptical of candles when I first started. I thought they were witchy magic things that like oh is this what pagans do or is this like (laughs) like at the botanica i'm desperate and i need a love you know thing get this candle so i was really skeptical but then i was just so stuck with money that i was like i'll try anything and um julian from mostly angels he suggested the baby candle and i did exactly what you're saying i wrote my intention down I taped it to the candle and then every time I light the candle or when I first light the candle, I say what I wrote to the candle and I'm talking to the candle and I'm asking it to help me bring this thing in. Every time I walk by the candle, I remind it of that intention. Mm -hmm. When I snuff the candle out, I say, thank you for bringing me for manifesting this intention. And so really what I would say is that it's, it works because it focuses your intention and when your intention is focused, you manifest that thing into reality. Yeah. So for me, it's about intention. So mm-hmm. theoretically, then you could use anything that will help you focus your intention. For me, the candle has been really, and I also stake yeah. a lot of the success on the fact that it is an agreed upon tool, like cultures for many generations or whatever have agreed upon Bayberry as yeah, that's a manifestation. A- I've heard people talk about that with the Shiva Lingam. Mm. So that it, it got its power because enough people like came together yeah. and like recognize, like kind of yeah. drew that consciousness into it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it like it, it agreed a, to be that. A, what do you call it? In a, a tulpa. I think that's the word, mm-hmm. a thought form that is manifested into reality. Yes, 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 And yes. so then it's like like Santa Claus. Like, there's a chance oh. that Santa Claus really does exist because we all... It, it exists because so many people energize it with that intention. So the Bayberry candle or whatever dressed candle with your intention, I highly, highly recommend. And Jason recommends. We both recommend. So try it. Yeah, it's yeah. going to work. What's your next tool? Um, my next tool is, oh, one thing I did last summer at Most Angels was I made a playlist of all the songs that made me feel rich. Mm-hmm. This one has to do with money. Well, I guess not money, but just that feeling of like playfulness and fun mm-hmm. and glamour and like excess and yeah indulgence and yeah. like, I guess, sensual pleasure. Yeah. Um, so I'll just be at work and play it. Um, and I felt like it made me feel good. What's an example of a song on that playlist? <gasps> oh my god. Um, Rich by Yeah Yeah Yeahs. Mm. That one's kind of like a... A little tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely some Gwen Stefani tracks. Yeah. Luxurious was one. Um, Beyonce, Sugar Mama. And I don't remember the others. Yeah. One odd one was War, All Day Music. Mm. It's the feeling of nothing to do. Of you going to the beach. Exactly. Like, exactly that feeling to me. That Every time I hear that song, I think of just lounging in a park. Eating a raspado. With nothing else mm-hmm. to do. Which is like a... I feel like that is a traditional, uh, I don't know, community... Or cultural, like, theme of our people. Like, going to the park, you know, like, on a, you know, like, Sunday afternoon. Like, that feeling of posting up. Yes. <laughs> for yeah. a long like, time. And, and I think, like, like, in L.A., like, the the L.A. River is, like, a symbol of that. Because, mm. like, for generations, people, like, go with their family, have yeah. a picnic in the, like, the L.A. River. Like, it's it's, like, one of those symbols of, like, nothing to do. My, one of my dreams is to own a porch. Yeah. So I remember being at my auntie's house and we're just like eating ham sandwiches and like the adults are just chilling, like yeah. <laughs> smoking joints. I don't know. Yeah. Just that feeling of, of relaxing, of relaxing. together and yeah. we're all good. Yeah. Which is like, there's a, an Instagram account I follow on, on Instagram called the nap ministry. Oh, I'll link yes. to them. Um, but the nap ministry is, they talk about how it's like, like for black people, rest is an act of re- revolution. Like being able to rest because literally the economy, the country was built mm. on the backs of black slaves. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to rest is to be in opposition to that like form of colonial capitalism and, I feel like you're, I mean, clearly not saying that your family were slaves, but like invoking that same idea that like we have the luxury, we don't have to be working right now. We have the luxury to spend our time how we want and to rest. It's profound. It is profound. But even, oh man, even that feels like labor. What do you mean? 
to compare it that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Like, all of that does. Like, when you start to intellectualize it. Yeah. Then you're, like, aware of this thing and that you're doing is actually an act of something else. You're still doing. Exactly. Doing, uh... Which is, like, 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 one of the things that Bio was talking about was that, like, even activism is just a response to oppression. It's not moving away from. So, could we it. say is activism kind of like in act like conjuring oppression? Uh, like it's only existing in opposition to that. So, does that response make it more real? It's definitely within the tug of war. Yeah, okay. It's definitely yes. like pulling against something as opposed to like decoloniality, which to me is letting go of the rope completely. Like emergence yeah. is letting go of the rope completely. To me that, yeah. Okay, this feels relevant because it's like the prosperity self-worth tug of war. Yeah. It totally takes place in the imagination also. Yes, yeah. Like, if, if you let go of the rope, then what do you do? Yeah. You have to imagine that yeah. well, that possibility for you. It, and, and I feel like that's... So that's one of my tips, my tools yeah. has been when I'm in the most desperate, poor moments where I am the most unprosperous, unabundant, I would have panic attacks and I would have to, like take a mental inventory of like all the things that I need. And then mm-hmm. do I have them like, okay, I need food and water. I do have some, maybe it's not, maybe I'm not eating, you know, like whatever, Yeah. but I have something to eat. I have something to drink. I have a couch I can sit on. I still have my apartment. Um, I have an electric fan, so I'm not going to be, you know, sweating in my hot summer LA yeah. apartment. These are the things that I need right now. And I have all the things that I need. Yeah. So all the things that I am having anxiety about, that's the hoard. That's the hoard of money that I'm trying to chase. Mm-hmm. So I would have to walk myself through that. And yes, it is an exhausting process to walk yourself through it every time. But it is much more painful to me to be in, a, in an anxiety attack. I mean, I would have these moments, I think I've told you this before, where feeling poor or feeling broke or feeling so disconnected, not having money, like having to make choices between my phone or gas or food or, you know, those kinds of moments where I'm like so far away from abundance (laughs) that I just felt like I wasn't even a person that I felt like I would just turn to ash and just like float away in the wind. Cause I was so not having a human person experience. Yeah. Yeah. But so like, doing that inventory didn't change my physical circumstance at all. It It definitely affected your inner world. It affected my inner world, my imagination. It Mm. allowed me to remember that I, I actually have everything that I need right now. Mm -hmm. Well, damn, that's exactly the definition of abundance from Bashar. So even in those moments of feeling so, so desperate, I was actually in abundance if I could reorient my perspective. Yeah. And that is, that is revolutionary. Even without intellectualizing it, that, that's, that allows me to rest. And then I don't have to be running. I want to share this thing that happened with my mother. She, one day we were talking about her credit card stuff and she was just like getting so overwhelmed and like talking about it. 
then she like kind of snapped and she was like she was like well what are they gonna do kill me no <laughs> and then hmm. she was done you could just see like yeah. the tension release yeah. yeah so it feels like a i don't know if that's similar to what you were saying yeah but, like, yeah. like finding that perspective that disarms the the like triggering yeah. belief yeah because look at so that also gives us insight into the really complex like value associations that money has fixed us in mm-hmm. and that capitalism has fixed us in that somehow for your mom she had to go all the way down to like well i lose my life yeah you know, like it was a it became a life or death trigger mm-hmm. and i guess for me too thinking that i would evaporate like that's what that feeling is i'm dead i'm gone yeah I, like and that's just not it's that is not that is a learned imposed belief system under capitalism that is not who we truly are Mm -hmm. the truth is that if we were really living in right relationship with the earth the earth supplies every single thing we need to live yeah and we're so out of alignment from that alienated from it totally yeah so my tip is when you feel that moment of desperation like you can't tap into it um well going through that process of do i have all the things i need and the most likely you do and if you don't you probably know someone that can help you Mm. but (laughs) one of the next one that i was gonna say is asking for what i want I have definitely been told because of unworthiness that I'm not entitled to speak up on my behalf. Okay. And if, and that I should just stay quiet. And then, and if I'm suffering to suffer in, in silence too. And As me <laughs> suffering the stench of my body. I know. Without deodorant. <laughs> and everyone else suffering the stench of your body. Oh, just kidding. No. <laughs> just kidding. But like when I did take there was an, like this idea and this is definitely imposed by my dad that if you, you don't want to be a burden on anyone. So you don't want to ask for help from anyone. And so you need to figure it out on your own. And I would be in these moments where I'm like, I literally cannot figure this out. So many people, especially Brown people, like you're not asking for shit, but you, this pressure to help others. Oh yeah. So it has the, like what you're modeling is like, Everyone else is worthy and I'm not. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. My dad would be like, I remember my dad being like, you help when you go to your friend's house, like we go for sleepovers or birthday parties, whatever. I don't care what other people are doing. You go help set up the table for dinner. You help them make dinner. You help clean up afterwards. Mm -hmm. I don't care if everyone else is playing. You do the dishes. And I'm like, damn, dad, we never have time to be. Why am I going there? Yeah, exactly. I could do this crap at home. And I remember once um, not wanting to be in imposition. I was visiting some friends in New York and I stayed at their house. And I remember traveling back to California with trash in my suitcase because I didn't want to like. I didn't want to ask them if I could throw it away in their house because it was like. I don't know. I don't know what. It was just, and it didn't occur to me until I got back home and I unpacked my suitcase. I'm like, oh, there's garbage in here. Oh, yeah. It's because you're a psycho and didn't want to ask (laughs) if you could throw trash away. But it was, it all came down to this core belief of don't be a burden. Don't, you're a burden. Don't be one. 
I know. But so like asking for help is I would have to really push myself to be like, is it okay to ask for help? If I feel like I got to a place where like, well, the worst thing, the worst, worst thing that people could say isn't no, it's that they'll judge me or not like me. Mm -hmm. Can I live with that? And it, it, depending on what situation I was in, if it was a yes, I would just go for it. If it was like, no, I can handle this more than I want to risk them judging me then I would maybe not do it. But then I started to think like, once I started understanding how mirroring works and how other people are our teachers and we mirror back other people's insecurities and traumas, then I started to understand that like, I need help. I'm going to ask if they judge me, then that has nothing to do with me. That has to do with their own issues that they're bringing to the table. So I need the help. So I'm going to ask. And I would say never, ever I don't think, I'm not sure, but I don't believe that anyone has ever been put off by my asking. And I would say the majority of the time people do want to help me with the thing that I need. Yeah. And that feels abundant to me to know that like, I'm not by myself. Like I can ask for help when I need it. After you explain that, that makes sense why like rose quartz or like love candles, self-love candles would go a long way towards prosperity prosperity or abundance or self-worth yeah wow what other tips tricks do you have honestly i think that's it okay i think that was great yeah we got a lot of stuff in there (laughs) yeah um i want to say that i think like at some point we will do the power crystals classes again yeah and if not in real life then maybe online Mm-hmm. where we can help people work through their own stuff in their lives. So I would say stay tuned for that. Yeah, definitely. All right, All right. y'all. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks another, for listening. Another great rant. <laughs> uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, comment, give us five stars. Tell your friends, tell your lovers, yeah, tell your, your enemies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at We Are Power Crystals, or at Crystals of Altamira, or at Blue Rose Botanics. You can get in touch with us through any of those platforms. Yeah. We got a lot on there. And we're going to be at the witch walk again. We're going to be at witch walk again. A lot of cool things coming up. Yeah. So, um, hit us up on IG. That's where everything is. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll see you okay, next y'all. time. Okay, y'all. Bye. Bye.